Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by Yellow Box teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we wrap up our series, Starting Over. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning, everyone. How you feeling? I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Let me uh, pray for us before we dive in. Let's, uh, let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of today, of each other. Um, thank you for your presence already at work among us, God. I pray that you would give us hearts to understand and the courage to live differently as a result, God. We thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been talking for uh, a few weeks now about regrets. Anyone here ever... Uh, made a regretful decision before in your life. That should be all of us, right. And maybe it was something simple like just choosing to go to a new barber. Um, Wait for it, there it is. (laughs) Maybe it was trying to add some bling to your life. Uh, Let that one sink in. Maybe it was just a friendship that didn't pan out as well as you thought that it would. (laughs) We all have regrets, big and small. And for the last four weeks, we've been kind of categorizing what those look like. And we sort of narrowed it down to three. Regrets of action, things we wish we hadn't done. Regrets of inaction, things we wish we had done. And then regrets of reaction, something that has been done to us, but there's still pain and difficulty there. But whether your regret was from last week, last year, or maybe even decades ago, I think every single one of us in this room, we long to begin again, don't we? We long for a fresh start. We long to start over. Now, this back and forth between longing and regret we call the sorry cycle, and it's a pattern that I think way too many of us live in every single day. Perhaps maybe you even felt that way this morning, but it doesn't have to be that way. So as we talk, the first thing we can do is to recognize our regrets. That's where we just face them head on. We call them what they are, and we name them. Second, we release our regrets, which often uh, involves seeking or offering forgiveness of some kind. And then we do what God actually wants to do in our life, and that's redeem our regrets. Where he doesn't just erase them, but he turns those regrettable actions into something beautiful and good. But here's the thing. We've been talking about this for a month now, and my hunch is that a lot of us still feel stuck. Am I right? So why? Why can't we escape this constant back and forth between longing and regret? Well, I'm so glad you asked, hypothetical inquisitor. (laughs) In order to get to the why, I think there are a few questions that we need to honestly ask ourselves. The first is this. Instead of recognizing my regret, am I turning a blind eye to it? Now, there might be endless reasons to why we would turn a blind eye to our regret, but here are a few of my guesses. Uh, Sometimes we don't understand the importance of dealing with our regret, right? It sort of gets put on the back burner like that dirty, crusty old casserole dish that we're just not all that excited about scrubbing for the next six hours. We're just going to kind of ignore it. Maybe we're too lazy to do the hard work of uncovering 
the regret in our lives. It's something that we know we're supposed to do, but for some reason, we just can't muster the energy to actually do it. You don't need to be convinced. I just don't want to. But I think probably a lot of us, if we're honest, we just feel too discouraged. We think if, if we actually uncover this regret, can I actually heal from it? Is, is it even worth going there? And so we sort of let our inner Eeyore call the shots in our lives, and we just live in it. And this is just conjecture, but if, if you're recoiling at the very beginning of this process of recognizing, releasing, and redeeming our regrets, my guess is that you know that beneath the surface there's some pain involved. And if that's you, please hear me in this. You're not alone. In fact, I think recognizing regret is a lot like ripping off a Band-Aid and touching a wound. It's often difficult and painful, a memory, an interaction that we wish would just go away. But the only way to heal from our regrets is to face them head on. The Apostle Paul could have chosen to turn a blind eye to his regrets. And trust me, he had many. This guy had a rap sheet that would make Al Capone blush. He had plenty of things to regret. But when you read the letters that Paul wrote to these early gatherings of Christ followers, there's this sort of sacred vulnerability in them. Sometimes to the point that feels like oversharing. It can almost feel uncomfortable. Like, Paul, why, why are you sharing all of this? I mean, think about it. If you're Paul... And you've been charged with the task of leading and mobilizing this new Jesus movement. Wouldn't you be a little tempted to sweep some of the more regrettable stuff under the rug? You're the spokesperson in many ways. And yet Paul doesn't seem to skirt the difficult stuff. Listen to how he confesses here in Acts 22. He says, I persecuted the followers of this way. That's the followers of Jesus. He says, to their death arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. He's like, I'm not making this up. There are multiple people who will verify that I was this guy. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. He doesn't stop there. To the church in Corinth, he admits, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Reading stories like this remind me of a really important truth. That if the Bible doesn't hide the stories of pain and regret, it means that we don't have to either. Isn't that good news? That regardless of what story you came in here this morning with, you don't have to hide in that pain and regret. And scripture from Genesis to Revelation shows us that it's all right. Paul never tried to hide his regrets. And you and I can't move forward until we stop hiding them either. And isn't that such a twisted tactic of the enemy? Right? To try and convince us to hide because of the thing that God has already forgiven us of. We don't have to hide anymore. The second question that we need to ask is this. Instead of releasing my regret, am I holding on to it? So for some of us, I think regret feels like a wound, right? It feels like something very painful. 
But I think in other circumstances, it can almost feel like, like a blanket, like something that we cling to for comfort, right? It's sort of like that old nasty couch from college that you just can't get rid of. Like it squeaks, it smells, your friends are terrified to sit on it, right? But we hold on to it probably because of like the, the meaning that it held or the season it represented. I think we can often do that with our regrets. Have you ever heard of uh, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome is a psychological condition where those held in captivity actually develop deep affection for their captors. We, we want to learn to love our regrets, but not to the point that we become attached to them. Are you holding on to your regret this morning? Maybe for you, you feel like, I deserve to be unhappy. I deserve to hold on to this pain. It was actually Paul's baptism that served as a pivotal catalyst that released him from regret. Listen in Acts twenty two sixteen. He says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Paul had this life-altering realization that God's grace was bigger than any regret that he could have, bigger than any mistake, bigger than any misstep, bigger than any sin. And Paul could now loosen his white-knuckle grip on his regrets and cling more fully to God's grace. Maybe that's the image that you need to grapple with this morning. Are you, are you white-knuckling that thing even though you know that it's toxic, even though you know it doesn't bring you life, meaning, fulfillment, and identity? What would it look like to loosen your grip on that, to cling more fully to God? Now, there's something fascinating in this passage that you should know about. This call to be baptized is actually in what's called the middle voice, which means that it's permissive in state. That means that we're, we're to allow baptism to take place. Baptism, it's this beautiful marker in the event of a Christ follower. We draw a line in the sand and we say, I'm in, I want to start over. And in baptism, the old us is buried with Christ and the new us is raised to life in Christ. But we have to allow this to happen to us. I want to invite you, if, if that's you this morning, if you've never publicly declared, I'm in. And I'm all in. Scars, wounds, regrets, and all. Today can be that day. We have a bunch of people who are already scheduled to be baptized, but we also have an incredible, amazing team out back that is ready for anyone who would like to make that commitment today. But how often do we get in the way of our own healing? How often do we cling to the things that we know won't bring us fulfillment? Today could be the day that you make a different choice to start over. And if you feel stuck this morning, there's one final question I think you can ask. Instead of redeeming my regret, am I resisting redemption? Here's the beautiful part about Jesus, that he doesn't simply want to erase your regrets kind of make, make it go away, 
But God is in the business of redeeming all things. He wants to take that regret, that thing that you can't stop thinking about, and not just simply make it go away, but redeem it and make it something beautiful. In fact, the most painful part of your story may very well be the most life-giving part of someone else's story. How incredible is that? The thing that you're so embarrassed by that you've clung to for weeks, months, years, or decades, God simply doesn't want to make it go away, erase it from the record, but to turn it to something beautiful. God's plan was to redeem Paul's regrets by using him to help thousands find their way back to God. Listen to how Paul continues the story here in Acts 22. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, Leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. And listen to how Paul responds to the voice of God. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Okay, don't miss this. God had this big, massive, beautiful plan for Paul's life. But what's happening in this moment? Regret is starting to creep back in, isn't it? Can you hear it? Can you hear Paul? Say, God, remember all the things that I did, all the bad things I've done. People are going to remember that. But listen listen to God's response here in verse 21. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. He says, I'm aware of your past, Paul. I know where you've been. So I got to ask, what are you going to do next time that old friend regret starts to creep back in? What's that going to look like? Instead of letting that drag us back into the sorry cycle, a cycle of longing and regret, let's start working the starting over loop. The moment that we feel that regret start to creep in, we can recognize the regret. Let's stare it in the face. Let's call it and name it and own it before it owns us. Next, we can release the regret. We can leave the past in the past and move forward. And then lastly, we can let God redeem those regrets, bringing something beautiful in a way that only he can. And one thing you have to understand about the starting over loop, it's not something that we just do once and then we're all fixed for life. It's not a quick fix, but a way of life. The prophet Jeremiah puts it this way. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new, what's it say? Let me hear you, church. They are new, what? Every morning, every single day, great is your faithfulness. Every morning, today, tomorrow, the day after that, each sunrise, each breath is an opportunity for God's mercies to be revealed to us and in us. And here's the kicker. The starting over loop isn't just for us. When God redeems our regrets, when he takes what looks irredeemable and makes something beautiful from it, who gets the glory? God does. We can step back and say, I've been stuck in that for years, but when I recognize, when I released, God did something amazing with those regrets. But the second piece is just as important. That working this starting over loop can help others find their way back to God as well. 
Paul didn't live beyond his regrets just for himself. Paul's life affected thousands and millions and today billions and helping others live past their regrets as well. When we begin to understand all of this, we will come to see our regret as a starting point for our lives. We begin to see that we can live every morning beyond regret. And it's that kind of new vision for life that God gave to our friend, Lisa. Here's her story. My name is Lisa Gullo, and this is my starting over story. Growing up, my family went to church pretty regularly. And then when I was about nine years old, my mother all of a sudden decided she didn't believe in God. Something bad had happened to her. And so we all stopped going to church. And honestly, it just made me more confused as I got older. Was God real? Is Jesus real? I just kept searching for different things. I mean, it wasn't um, bad things necessarily, but I wanted a career. And I thought if I could move up the ladder and be the best I could be at my job, then I would be fulfilled. I wanted to get married, and when I got married, I thought that would be the answer. And then we decided to have children, and as lovely as they are, there was still something missing. In 2009, while I was at work, I suddenly passed out. After several days in the hospital, they determined that I have hemiplegic migraines, which is your basic migraine with stroke-like symptoms. I was unable to work any longer, so as if the migraines weren't enough, I actually also started having seizures. really set me back even more because I couldn't drive. You can't drive when you have seizures, so I was just stuck at home mentally, physically, in every which way. And I just really believed everyone would be better off without having to deal with all of my issues. I attempted suicide by taking all my prescription medicine, which I had many of for various reasons. They intubated me in the hospital and I was unconscious for a week, but my throat swelled up so much They wanted to take the uh, innovation tube out to see if that would help. My throat was really swollen. I couldn't breathe. They shoved the tube back down, and it damaged my vocal cords. So I cannot breathe through my nose or mouth. I can only breathe through the trach. The first thing I do remember is when I woke up, uh, they had put um, something on the trach here that allowed me to speak. But instead of speaking, I started singing, Jesus Loves Me which is a song I know from my childhood, and I just, according to the nurses in my family, would not stop singing Jesus Loves Me. So the the ICU nurse obviously heard me singing, and she came over and asked if she could pray with me, and uh, she did that. The whole ICU room, which I'm sure everyone knows, is harsh white light, just totally changed to this glow of love. I can't, I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt so peaceful and so loved. By the end of her praying, she asked if I would accept Jesus Christ, and I absolutely said yes. So as I continued to find my way back to God, my daughter was part of a soccer team, and their practice was canceled due to weather. And uh, as God would have miracles happen, he brought the practice here to the church. I found a flyer uh, describing the 
course that was coming up in the next month called Alpha. The description of the Alpha course on that flyer sounded like exactly what I was looking for, being new on the faith journey. I was nervous to, to come to the first Alpha session, but I made it and met some incredible people, very welcoming, and it was good to see other people in my same situation, discovering their faith. Immediately after the Alpha course, I knew I wanted to get baptized. I don't know, I mean, for me, it just felt like the natural next step. I wanted to make that public proclamation that he is my Lord and Savior, and doing that was, for me, a continuation of my faith journey. The minute that I woke up in the hospital room, everything was different, and I knew my life was going to be totally different. I started over with everything, with how I treated other people, with how I felt about myself, even though I have these health issues. I just knew that moving forward, um, I had started a brand new life. I'll tell you what, it was, uh, I think maybe just a couple months ago, and it was right over here in this baptistry that uh, Lisa got baptized. And after she did that, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it was a memorable moment for all of us as a church, because afterwards, I mean, she just thrust her arm, you saw it in the video, her arm in the air, and it's kind of like, I'm starting over. And this whole place, you remember this one? The whole place just kind of erupted. Everybody kind of scudded to their feet and just like, yeah, Lisa. We were all, I mean, it was like, it was like all of us kind of got to do it through her. I'll tell you, here's the thing, and here's the good news this morning. No matter what your regret, hear me on this, okay, big or small, every one of us can start over. Ian was talking about, about Paul. Paul looked back on his own journey, and, and, and here's kind of how he reflected. He said this, you know what? Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life, he said, the old life is gone, and the new has begun. And that could be true for every one of us in this room. One of the things that Jesus did is he left the church kind of two sacraments or two experiences that are really all about kind of starting over. And one happens every week. It's called communion. Communion is this weekly reminder that we can start over. And in a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to give you the opportunity, whether you're sitting up here or sitting down here, to come forward to one of the tables. There's tables there, there, here, here. Come to the tables and take a piece of the bread as a reminder of the body of Christ and eat it. Take the cup of juice. It's a reminder of the blood of Christ and drink it. And it's just this bold kind of reminder. Yes, I'm a part of a community of people who knows we can start over no matter what. But the other experience, the other sacrament is baptism. And it's this powerful declaration that, you know what? Today is a marker event in my life, just like it was for Lisa. A marker event that from this point on, I'm gonna look back, I got to start over. In fact, the Bible tells us kind of symbolically, it says when you go down, it's like a burial and you come back up and you're a new person, new life. Or even there's water, it says you wash away the sins and you come up clean. You get to start over. And here's what we're gonna give you the opportunity to do. If you've never been baptized or you're just kind of feeling a prompting, like that's exactly what I need today. When you come forward to take communion, wherever you decide to take it, go ahead and participate in communion. Take the bread, take the cup, then as you're going back, instead of going back to your seat, I'm going to ask you just to go back past and out those doors out into the lobby. This is available for every one of you, all right? We have a whole team of people that are there who are ready to host you 
and make and allow you to be baptized and this become your, your kind of starting over moment. And, it, and maybe some of you right now, you're going like, you know what? I'd like to be baptized. And maybe you've been thinking about it or maybe just in the moment you're thinking about it. But then it's kind of certain kind of questions come to you that kind of hold you back and you go like, well, you know what? I, I, was, I was baptized as a baby though. Should, is, it, is it okay to do that again? And you know what? There's a whole bunch of us that we were. We were Christians as babies. And I, I would say that's a real credit to your parents. It's a real credit to the, that they were committed to your spiritual growth. But that was a choice your parents made. And we know that every single time, and as we look at the Bible, when someone was actually baptized, like what you're going to see happen here, two, thing, two things were true. One, it was, it, was a, it was someone who was their choice to go ahead and be baptized. And second thing, they, they did it in, in, in water by immersion just like this. And so if you want to take that step of faith, I'd encourage you to do it. I think this is really kind of a, an affirmation of your parents' commitment to you, but still your own decision. And if that's something you're thinking about, you know what, you should go ahead, walk out those doors and say, you know what, I want to do this. Today's the right day. I may not do it if I put it off any longer. Others of you go, I've, I've had even people ask me this week, you know what, I've been, I've been baptized, I was baptized as an adult, but I kind of feel like I want to do it again. Well, the Bible doesn't say you have to kind of keep doing it over and over and over again, all right? The, the first time counts. But I have had this happen where people decide they want to do it because it's kind of like a recommitment for them. I, I would compare it to, think about a marriage that's fallen on hard times. You know what I'm talking about? You're going through some tough stuff. Maybe even you end up, end up separated, and then you get back together. A lot of times that couple, do they have to go through a whole wedding again? No, you don't have to go through a wedding ceremony again. But they might renew their vows. And they renew their vows, and it becomes a really important moment for them. And I'll tell you what, if that's what it is for you, you need kind of a renewal of your commitment, we would love to have you be a part of this. You can walk out those doors back. There's a whole team of people to take care of you. We would love to have you go ahead and do that. I had someone just a few weeks ago make this comment, and they said, you know what? Don't I have to, I'd like to get baptized, but don't I have to kind of get my act together? <laughs> How many of us would ever get baptized if we waited until we got our act together? Anybody? No, you don't have to wait till you get your act together. In fact, it's interesting because it's not like you don't get cleaned up and then take a bath, right? Very good. You take a bath to get cleaned up. And that's what we're talking about here. That's why you get baptized. Okay, it's saying I need God. I can't. If I could have done it, I would have done it on my own by now. I need God's help to kind of help me get my act together. And if that's what you're thinking, yeah, you definitely go ahead and walk out those doors. We'd love to have you get baptized. And maybe even for some of you, it's kind of like practical things. You're going like, you know what? Hold, on, I got kids. I want my kids to see it. But we kind of talked about this as a team. We're going to actually bring in all of our first through fifth graders up in the skybox up there. We want them to watch that. So if you got kids in that area, in Kids City, they'll be able to watch. Some of you maybe are going like, well. If I do this, it's kind of a big step. I have friends or family. I want to see it, right? Well, we, um, I don't know where they are, but we actually we hired a couple photographers to come in and take pictures. So if you decide to do it, they'll be here. They're going to take your pictures. You can put it on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You can put it everywhere if you want. Share it with all your friends, right? We want, that, we, we want you to be able to do that. Maybe, you're, maybe it's even kind of like, well, but... You know, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to get all wet, and I didn't bring clothes or a towel. Or okay, here's here's the deal. The yellow box team got together. Every person, if you decide, and we're ready for every one of you. Okay, would that be awesome if everybody in this room were like, "Yeah, we're all going to do this together." <laughs> if everyone, we're gonna, we have a blue T-shirt. Okay, a blue T-shirt in your size for you. We got shorts. 
I'm not saying they're stylish, but they'll fit you, okay? We got towels for you. We got Ziploc bags for your valuables. We got extra pairs of underwear out there. I'm telling you, we thought about everything. We got blow dryers. I mean, some of you are going like, well, we're going to lunch. You can still look pretty afterwards, okay? So if that's, we don't want that to stop you from starting over, okay? And I'm telling you, there's a whole team of people out there that are ready to make this just a great, great experience for you. I was praying about this, this uh, earlier this morning. And here's what my prayer is. I know there's a whole bunch of us in this room that want to and need an opportunity to start over in a variety of ways. Things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. Things that we wish we would have done that we didn't do. Things that happened to us that never should have happened to us. I want November 20, 2016 to be the day you go like, you know what, that was the day when I started over. We already have a number of people that are planning on being baptized. And we would love to have you, love to have you, okay? If there's anything inside you, and I often think that's the way God works, just kind of pushes something inside. You kind of feel something. If there's anything in you that feels like that, we would love to have you be a part of this moment, all right? I'll tell you, let's say a prayer. And after the prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. The band's going to sing a couple different songs. And during those two songs, you have the opportunity to go out of your seats, come forward here, take communion. We'd love to have everyone do. There's also tables there and there and there, there and there. And then after that, you can leave and go to the back of the room, out those doors, and uh, be baptized. All right? Let's say a prayer. Father God, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now. I pray for your Holy Spirit. For, the, for some of us, I know I've talked to folks that are in the room here. They say, you know what? It's, it's weird. When I come to church, I feel like, like I, I just start crying sometimes. What is that? I'll tell you what. That's God prompting you. He's prompting you. He's saying, hey, I want to start over with you. You start to feel things. You think things. You just get oriented a different way. And that's the way God works. And isn't that the reason you're here anyway? Father, that's why we're here. And help us. Help us to surrender to that. And so, Lord, in this moment, as we celebrate your body and your blood, that's this weekly reminder that we can start over. As we celebrate these baptisms, that's that one point in time commitment that, yeah, we're yours. And with you, we can start over. We ask that you be here in this moment. Help us to surrender to your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.